For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You're listening to DraftKings Network. Loaded episode of Unreasonable Odds coming your way. We have Paul Stone joining us, a professional handicapper based in Texas. We go through all five championship games in the Power Five in college football. Johnny Avello stops by for a segment of Odds Are. What is happening at the counter at the book? Johnny gives us the latest. A lot of college football and NFL Week 13 coming up. Welcome to Unreasonable Odds, presented by DraftKings. Your host, Brendan Glasheen, alongside Julian Edlow. Loaded episode today. Two guests. We have Johnny Avello, director of the DraftKings Sportsbook. Segment of Odds Are with Julian coming your way. What's happening at the counter, what the public needs, what the book needs. We'll find out. We also have Paul Stone joining us for an extended Power 5 Championship Weekend preview for all five Power 5 Championship games Taking place this weekend all starts on Friday with Oregon and Washington in the Pac-12. We'll quickly recap here, Jules, from last week, Thanksgiving week. So we recorded early. Uh, I was 0-2 uh, on a prop, and I think it was a side in a game. I can't quite remember. Jamar Gibbs was one. And then, uh, oh, yeah, Jet, yeah, my, my fault. Jets, Dolphins, under which looked promising, and then the the fail Mary didn't freaking help. Um, I think you went one and two. I think, I mean, look, I'll, I'll put words in your mouth for you. I'm being nice. I think you had the right looks on the college side. I really do, in the rivalry games with South Thank Carolina you. and with Florida. Thanks. I agree. NC State was the easy winner. They smoked UNC. I, I loved that play. But I loved the other two. I loved Florida against FSU. And, uh, you know, we'll hear from Paul Stone later in the the podcast why FSU really just didn't impress in that game. Florida covered for 58 minutes. We lose the bet. South Carolina take the points at home against Clemson. That one, you know, South Carolina had some ground to make up, but they couldn't cover the game and Clemson didn't score an offensive touchdown. They had a scoop six and three field goals. So the Clemson struggles continued just so happens the defensive touchdown and how good their defense played was enough to, to keep South Carolina away. So I don't regret any of the plays, but it's a one and two weekend for, for me on the best bets. Later on in the show, we'll also talk about a few col- uh, a few NFL spots that we like for the coming weekend. But for all intents and purposes, this is mostly a college show with the biggest week, one of the biggest weeks in the college football. At least this one. This week is the biggest week of the college football season to date. So without further ado, let's turn to Johnny Avello for Odds Are. All right, it's that time of the week on Unreasonable Odds for Odds Are with the director of DraftKings Sportsbook, Mr. Johnny Avello. Johnny, how are we doing this week? Hello, Jules. Good to see you. Good to be seen, and uh, we are going to see some good football this weekend, I hope. But let's start with the NFL card. 
this past week felt like kind of a historic week for these favorites dominating, which generally means the guy in your chair isn't too pleased about it. Public dominated. How, how did things go behind the book? Uh, it was a great week for the public. Um, let's let's start with Thanksgiving Day, where they bet the Lions, Cowboys, and the 49ers, and two of the three got there. The Lions didn't. Then Friday, the Dolphins uh, were played at the Jets. And then Sunday, oh, Sunday, that'll be categorized as Black Sunday for 2023. Favorites went 9-2 and two that day. The Eagles, Chiefs, Titans and Jags were the worst results, but when everything was tied together, we just really got hammered. Uh, but hey, you know what? We've had a lot of good weeks this uh, this NFL season, so it was time for the players to have a good one. This happens. Now everybody's got some money in the bankroll, and we'll see what they do with it. Uh, speaking of one of the things to do with it, they can bet it on the big Niners-Eagles game in the NFC coming up on Sunday uh, it looks like the Niners are, are the side getting getting bet up on the road. The Eagles, home underdogs, despite having one loss this late in the season. How, how are betters uh, handling this, and where do you think it ultimately closes, Johnny? Well, we opened the Eagles one and a half. That's that look-ahead line that we put out about a week ahead. But they really do like the Niners in early betting so far, with the Niners now the favorite. Now, the 49ers are slightly better in the power ratings, but the push is because the Monday night game, along with multiple injuries, you got linebackers, Zach Cunningham, you saw Fletcher, uh, Cox, uh, both of those guys are questionable. Plus, they just got a lot of people hurt in the secondary, and that's the reason. And that's the reason the number probably will close somewhere in that three vicinity, 49ers. Not to mention just how the Eagles have been squeaking by over the Chiefs, squeak by against the Bills, and you got the Niners, longer break since they played on Thanksgiving. They got revenge on the mind from the NFC Championship game last year where they didn't have a quarterback. We'll talk about all this more, uh, more later on the podcast when we're breaking down the game. Uh, let's The rest of the NFL card this week, though, Johnny, any other sides or totals that betters are taking an early interest on for NFL Week 13? Well, the Chargers are favored at the Pats. That number's up to six after opening four and a half. God, what a disappointing year for the pa- the Patriots. I, I can't believe I didn't bet more on the Patriots-Giants under last week because I, that's one of those ones that you just – I knew that was going to happen, and it looked even grosser than I maybe thought. Yeah. Yeah, when you see it, sometimes, you know, that's the five-star. Some You have the five-star, the three-star, the one-star. That was your five-star, right? That was my five-star. There you go. Uh, a couple other games. Lions now four at the Saints after an opener of three. Uh, they certainly don't like Arizona at Pittsburgh. This is one-sided betting in that one. Texans uh, were pushed off the key number of three at home versus the Bronco. That's now three and a half. That's kind of a surprising move to me. Um, and the Browns have lost public appeal with P.J. Walker at the quarterback spot traveling to L.A. Rams, Rams now up to three and a half after opening up a one-point favorite. How about some of the swings in the futures market? For example, I know Houston was a popular play to win that AFC South. If they had beat Jacksonville, that would have been a huge move. They ultimately didn't, so Jacksonville's still in the driver's seat there. But uh, any specific futures taking action, uh, you know, no matter what market it may be? 
Yeah, ja- well, uh, the Jags are now one to ten, or if minus t- uh, a thousand, if you prefer the, that kind of yeah. odds language. Uh, Falcons. The Falcons are seeing a little bit to win the NFC North. They're only plus one twenty now. That thing's wide open be- between them and the Saints, and uh, certainly. Uh, you know, a division, one of the weaker ones in football. Uh, to win it all, the Cowboy backers are believing in them. They're seeing some play. They're still around 9-1 to one or so. And the Ravens also see them play this week uh, to win the Super Bowl at 8-1. to one. I believe they are the number one overall seed at this point. All right. Big week coming up. Conference championships in college football. Uh, but we're coming off a wild finish to the regular season. A lot of those, uh, a lot of those final games. What were some of the week thirteen sides that were best for both the book and the public, Johnny? Well, Ohio State Michigan was a huge right. I mean, that handle overshadowed yeah. everything. Did I else. read that that was the the most bet college football game in in DK Sportsbook history. Yeah, I believe it was. Yes. Yeah. Um, Nothing and and it was a noon start on the East Coast. Just imagine if it was a you know a, a prime time game like around four thirty or so. Probably would have written ten twenty percent more. Uh, we ended up on the plus side for that contest. We also did well with Auburn keeping it close at home versus Bama. Keeping it close is an understatement. I mean, jeez, uh, the team here here they are just. Prevent defense, right? Prevent defense. I will point out the last time the last time that Alabama was in that situation and should have lost that Iron Bowl at Auburn two years ago, they got it together and upset Georgia in the SEC title game. Yeah, well, we'll see if that's the case here. Um, another result: Cal beating UCLA was also very good for us uh, Saturday. On the not so good side for the house. Arizona's trouncing of Arizona State. That was a good. That was a pretty good loser. And then Florida State covering at Florida was also a loser. That was a loser for me as well on the Gators in the swamp, covering for about fifty-eight minutes. Fun time. Um, all right. Feels like there's two premier games on this card: uh, the Friday night game and then the SEC game in the afternoon. Um, Factor this into the point spread, Johnny. I'll, I'll be out in Vegas with my Ducks jersey on, cheering on a future. Uh, quack, quack. How are betters handling these two big games, especially since I will be there pulling for Oregon? Might want to move it a couple points. Well, Oregon opened up nine over Washington and on the neutral field in Las Vegas. That's now nine and a half, and I see ten on the horizon. Now, you know, you say, why why so many points here? It was the game was only three back, uh, you know, a month ago or so. Well, Washington, you call it the squeak by. You said that about the Eagles, and just Oregon is now the now team. They just look like yeah. the team to beat if they get in this national championship because they can just pour it on. Uh, we've had the Georgia game up for a few weeks, and so far it's pretty much all Georgia. That line moved from four. That's now five and a half. Uh, but I believe there's going to be Alabama money on the day of the game. When do you ever get a chance to get an Alabama team at plus a dollar eighty on the money line? So uh, I see that'll be a play on game day. There will be a sports book in Las Vegas that will see my Alabama money on game day. Um, I will be joining that crew. So here's the really interesting one, I think. Um, how are betters handling FSU? Obviously, Travis. Down for the count. The line has shrunk. This was 
a big look headline down to maybe like six and a half, five and a half range. Now we're down below the key number of three. Are you expecting pushback on a specific number? Are you seeing anything fading FSU in the futures market? Because I, I think a good bet right now is FSU to miss the college football playoff because that gives you two outs. It gives you Louisville just wins the game and the committee is going to put them out or they win very ugly like they did at Florida and they make the tough decision to keep a 13-0 conference champion that, let's say, wins by three against Louisville, keep them out. I think there's two paths to win that one. Is, is the futures market seeing anything on Louisville? Well, first, they took the points in this one right down the ladder. We, like you mentioned, yeah. we opened six. Now it's two and a half. And if Louisville didn't lose last week, they probably would have been the favorite in this one. As far as the futures market, uh, the team is undefeated. And it's the highest price they've been all year, 31. Um, I believe if they win this game they're in, I don't care how ugly it is. You just don't keep an undefeated team out. So I think if they win the game, they're, you know, they go to the, to the playoffs with, with three others. Now, okay. um, if, they, if they lose this game, boy, uh, committee's got some decisions to make. They're out if they lose. That's done. Um and it does – what I think is interesting is that it, the committee in the their – like what they're evaluating says that they can evaluate injuries. So what is this FSU team since the injury? So far they've just barely won a game against a five-win team. I think it's going to be really interesting to see how they handle that. Um, all right, last one here. Just open it up to the rest of the board. We talked about the major games, but we got plenty of other ones including the non-Power 5 um and a huge spread with Michigan Iowa what what other uh what other sides or totals are betters backing and i'm adding this one in how many unders on the Iowa team total of half a point for each half are people taking so far <laughs> well michigan's up to 23 over iowa after open up 22 in that big 12 championship game i had a guy call me last night and he's a friend of mine and he said i've talked to multiple people and ask them what is the spread on the Michigan Iowa game what do you think it would be and they all said six or seven and I he said how come the spread is so high and I said well there's a couple factors in that first of all you have to remember that Michigan is much higher power rating than Iowa and Iowa doesn't score so you know yeah could Iowa hang around in this game if they can keep it close early but if they're down 20 nothing Quickly, how are they going to stay? They just, you know, it's a non-scoring team. Uh, and one, in another game, it's all Texas so far in the game at Ar- Arlington. Texas now 14 and a half over Oak State. That's a three-point move already on this one. All right, there's some moves. Um, I, was ho- I was hoping for an Iowa three and a half first half so I could bet the under. I was like, maybe if Michigan fumbles in their territory – or Iowa gets a nice kick return, they'll get a three on the board. I can't I can't do it at a half a point. You guys knew what you were doing there. You're saying they're just not gonna score, huh? Well, they might get they're gonna get something. I don't know what that's gonna be. They're gonna get something. They'll get something somewhere along the line. All right, there it is. Looking forward to these conference championship games. Thank you uh for the insight here on unreasonable odds, Johnny, on uh odds are. You're welcome.
Our thanks to Johnny Avello of the DraftKings Sportsbook. We welcome in our next guest, Texas-based handicapper. You can find him at paulstonesports.org. Paul Stone, that fits the website, joins us now on Unreasonable Odds. Paul, how are you doing? Great to have you joining us. I know you have a couple plays on these championship games this coming weekend, but just generally speaking, what have you made of the college football season and how are you sort of taking all the information we have, all of the results, compiling all your info? What's your biggest piece of advice heading into this week for betters? Yeah, I mean, it's been a, first of all, thanks for having me. I always enjoy talking uh, college football with uh, other people who love the sport as I do, but you know, it's been as always, you know, college football, in my opinion, anyway, always delivers. I mean, we had such a, uh, interesting uh championship week or not championship week but rivalry week this past weekend alabama the the fourth and goal from the 31 the uh the beautiful pass from from Milro, the great reception really good coverage by auburn but just an exceptional play washington uh which has struggled you know the last half of the season uh host uh, Washington State, a team that had lost six of its past seven games, and Washington State takes them down to the wire. So, you know, expect the unexpected in college football. And, you know, one would think that uh, with the 14 playoff to be decided on this Sunday, uh, December 3rd, I believe it is, that the, the playoff entries, the field is pretty well set if, of course, Oregon, uh, the Oregon-Washington winner, I think, is in. Um, the uh, Michigan will be in if they defeat Iowa as a 23-and-a-half-point favorite. And, of course, the um, Georgia-Alabama winner probably in. And then if Florida State beats Louisville, there's a lot of debate there, and I certainly have some feelings about that. But if Florida State beats Louisville, they're undefeated, a Power 5 conference. The committee is going to take the sellable route, and Florida State will be in. But I think there's going to be some confusion. It's up to us to kind of figure out what the, the chaos will be, and it's difficult to put a finger on it. But I think there's still some really interesting football to be uh, played this first Saturday in December, and I just think, I just can't wait to really see what, what unfolds between now and then. Well, so we're going to get to we're going to get to this FSU situation, um, just kind of going through the games chronologically. So that puts us on Friday night in the Pac-12 to start things. And I'm curious your opinion on this game, Paul, because I've kind of spun myself into a web, as these guys know, in the Pac-12. Um, not a bad one, though, a good one. But I, I just, I'm curious where I go from here. So preseason, my my biggest future was, was Washington over nine wins. Great bet. It gets there. And I also put a little bit on them plus 400 to win the Pac-12. Now, obviously, they're in the game, but if you told me they were 12-0, and 0, I'd be like, oh, wow, I have a big favorite in the game. No, I still have a big underdog in the game. Now, I was a little late to the party on Oregon, but it became clear to me once they went to Utah, a really tough place to play, and just pounded them that I needed some Oregon. So I have some plus 200 and some plus 120 on Oregon, and I'm actually – I'm going to be out in Vegas. I'm going to be at that game on Friday night. I am going to be rooting for Oregon. I'm more exposed there. I have some tickets on them to win it all. But this number is so big. I'm thinking how I bet this game now. I, I'll do fine. I'll make more if Oregon wins. But like if I can get it, even if it's by in the half point, a plus 10, minus 120 on Washington and look for a middle there for Oregon by less than 10 or push on the 10. Uh, what do you make of, of this game? Or is Oregon just that good in the power ratings that they're just going to blow this out? 
Well, first of all, congratulations for your position there. That's an enviable <laughs> position for sure to have. Thank going you, but I'm still working to make it better. <laughs> you, you have a certain winner, so uh, you're in a good uh, good uh, position there, and you'll be on hand to watch it there at Allegiant Stadium. I'll tell you, Oregon, those of us who keep power ratings, which I've done for the past 30 years, if Oregon's not your number one or number two team in your power ratings right now, you probably need to to fine-tune them, in my opinion, Oregon's just a great – they've just been such a, a good football team all year, uh, even the 36-33 loss there at Seattle in mid-October. But yeah. in the six games since they lost to Washington there in Seattle, they've won those games by an average of 26 points. And most of those games have not even been competitive. Uh, they ended up beating USC by nine points, but they actually uh, led that game – uh, by, I think, 23 in the fourth quarter, and USC scored two uh, garbage touchdowns to, to get within single digits. Um, but this has just been a team that's just on, on such a uh, up, upward uh, trajectory, if you will. They're so balanced. They're one of the best offenses in the nation, obviously, with Bo Nix at the controls. Very good defensively, too, uh, top 15 type defense that they uh, field there. So just a really balanced team. Washington, meanwhile, since defeating Oregon and won, you know, they deserve to win. They won at home, deserved it. But Dan Lanning in that game made some curious decisions, yeah. um, not to fault him. And I, I think, I think he did it from just an aggressiveness nature. I think he sells to his team. We're going to be aggressive. We're not going to play to lose. We're going to play to win. So he just keeps his foot on the accelerator all the time and doesn't really. Uh, individualize and, and maybe separate the decisions, but he was maybe a little bit too aggressive there. But Oregon's performance at Washington, going on the road and really being in a position to win, that's not a negative from a power rating standpoint. That was an impressive performance, but they've been so good lately. Washington, on the other hand, since beating Oregon the last six games, just about all of them could have gone either way. They've been in some some dog fights and some dog fights with some inferior type opponents. Uh, Arizona State led Washington 7-6 in Seattle uh, with under 10 minutes to go. Uh, the next week, uh, Washington struggles at Stanford, uh, led by just two points before scoring a late touchdown. Uh, they struggled against a depleted Utah squad. Utah leads that game 28-24 at the half. Two weeks ago, perhaps Washington's best performance of the last half of the season, they go to Corvallis. Only win that game by two points, 22 to 20, but they were really in control uh, pretty much the whole way. You know, you never felt that Oregon State was going to win that game. And then we talked about the uh, Washington State game last week in Seattle, the Apple Cup, where they uh, survived and uh, won late on the final play of the game, I believe, a 42 yard, yard field goal. I made this game seven and a half. I make lines on the games. I had no doubt that it was going to be more than seven, but less than 10 some dead numbers in there. So it's right where I thought it would be, but you are seeing some 10 as well uh, here and there pop up. So that that's interesting. But I think Oregon's going to win this game by double digits. I think they're, you know, Georgia and Oregon 1-1A, one one however you want to mix it up. I like this Oregon Duck uh, football team. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, they win the national championship and you take us uh, out to a nice dinner maybe in Vegas before next season kicks off. Ha. All right, that's what that's what I like to hear. If Oregon if Oregon wins it all, then we're in a pretty good spot. Let me let me ask you one more thing on this one, Paul, before uh, Glash steers us on to Saturday's card. Interesting, and I know you you do a, a really good weekly spot college football on Follow the Money on Vsin every week. 
I go on on Wednesday mornings. Uh, we're recording on Wednesday, the 29th to, to talk basketball. But Pauly and I talked a little college football today because we, we both have this uh, investment in Oregon and we're talking about ways to hedge. Michael Penix is still out there at 16 to one for the Heisman. Now, I know there's you could take some points with Washington or play some Washington money line or whatever to try and get off some Oregon and, and hedge yourself. But if Washington is going to win this game, you're looking at 13 and 0. And I know Penix has slowed down lately, but he probably has a pretty good game if you're going to beat Oregon, especially indoors in Vegas. Like this could be a bounce back spot for the Washington offense we've seen slow down. And now Knicks has two losses, both of them to Penix. I don't think you can have Knicks win if the other guy beat him in two games right and then it comes down to Jaden Daniels who like Lamar Jackson is the comp crazy stats but lost three games Lamar Jackson won but could a three lost Daniels really beat an undefeated Penix in the Heisman I I think if you're gonna hedge on uh Washington at all taking a 16 to 1 Penix Heisman ticket at this point isn't the worst idea yeah, I mean, I agree. I, I think that's a really good price. And when you take these futures, I mean, you guys both know this. You're not necessarily saying they're going to win the award. You're just saying the odds are favorable in that marketplace. And 16 to 1, I mean, you, you made a great case for it and how it would line up if he beat Knicks two times. The fact that Daniels is is on a three-loss LSU team. I mean, if Penix goes off Friday night, throws five touchdowns, 500 yards, uh, and, and recapture some of that mag- magic that he showed in September and early October, man, 16 to one, you know, I don't get involved in too many futures, but 16 to one really sounds like a, an attractive pri- price there. And, and, you know, it seemed like he would be a little bit, uh, a little bit less favorable than that, in my opinion. It all, it all makes sense. I think what we saw with Washington against Washington state too, at the end of the game was infuriating. If you bet Washington in any capacity, cause they were, they were still throwing the football in a spot where they should be running to set themselves up to run clock and get a favorable spot for a field goal attempt. But that would be my concern. If Washington can get any semblance of a running game, I know that doesn't play into a Penix big passing yard day, but that to me, is that's the, that's the unit of question. Can Washington put together some sort of a running game to play keep away from Oregon as Paul noted Oregon across the board has been good in all aspects with the quarterback play as well. Uh, But the the running attack, I mean, looking back on the game when they went head to head in the running category, 204 rushing yards for Oregon, only 99 for Washington. So uh, they've lacked a keep away element uh, to their offense. And it's very Penix reliant. Let's go to a spot that you have circled Paul for championship weekend, Oklahoma state visiting Texas, Texas laying more than two touchdowns. It's now up to 15 and a half at DraftKings Sportsbook. We saw 14 and a half as we recorded. Where do you sit on this game? The total's at 56. You know, I made Texas a 10 and a half point favorite here. I was probably a little bit light. Should have been more like 11 and a half, I think. But now you've got this number over two touchdowns. You know, to me, it just seems uh, like you're paying a little bit too much of a tariff on Texas. Recency bias is such a big uh, component of betting sports, especially, you know, college football included uh, among those sports. And the last time we saw Texas, you know, they were uh, just trouncing and dismantling and piling on extra points against Texas Tech to the final tune of 57 to 7. 
And then on the flip side, the last time we saw Oklahoma State, they were down 18 points at halftime uh, to a uh, below-average Power 5 BYU team. Mm-hmm. Had to rally to win that game in double overtime, 40-34. to 34. But again, I think we're just honing in too much on what we saw this past weekend. Definitely have to consider it. It's definitely part of the handicapping equation. But there were 11 other games before they played this past weekend, and we have to take those into account. I believe we also have to take into account that historically Oklahoma State and Mike Gundy have fared well both as an underdog and against Texas. As an underdog uh, since the uh, start of 2015, Oklahoma State 21-9 and against the spread. And then looking at the last five meetings between Texas and Oklahoma State, Oklahoma State has been the betting underdog four times. They've covered all four of those times. They've won three of them outright. Uh, They weren't getting double-digit points. They weren't getting the 15-and-a-half that you mentioned. But Mike Gundy uh, plays Texas well. He's just a sneaky guy. He gets you the money. If you bet on Mike Gundy the last 10 or 12 years and you bet a lot of money, uh, you'd probably be out on a yacht somewhere because he is a moneymaker at the betting window. When you count him down, sometimes he uh, pops his head up and 15 and a half is a lot of points. I like the Cowboys plus the points over the Longhorns. All right. Well, this is another one that I'm I'm in a good spot in. Outside of Washington over nine, I did really well. And outside of that, I, I didn't do great in win totals this year. But I have some pretty good tickets in hand going into uh, championship weekend. So after Texas beat Alabama, I bet Texas at minus 130 to uh, win the Big 12. It didn't do anything for them in the standings in the conference. But in my mind, I just said, hey, if you can go to Tuscaloosa and win that kind of game, you're going to do pretty well in the Big 12. And that came to fruition. Here we are. But I'm I, for all the reasons you said, Paul, I'm going to I'm going to be betting some some 15 and a half with I haven't done anything yet, but I'm going to be taking some 15 and a half with Oklahoma State here. That's way too big of a middle to pass up in a in a game like this. I know Texas has motivation for for style points here because, you know, they're an early game. They don't know how things are going to go. They're playing to make an impression to make the college football playoff, even though they're on the outside looking in. Um, but we know that can that's a lot of pressure and that can generally go the other way. So uh, I'm I'm on board with you on this one, Paul. Fifteen and a half for for OK State. The the odds would tell you too to make the playoff. Texas, yes, plus one fifty five. They're the next team that would get themselves in if one of those, you know, Florida State, Oregon, Michigan, or Georgia um, has a blip this weekend. The, the Texas, the odds tell you Texas would be that next team in um, based on the odds. How about uh, Georgia Alabama SEC title game? Jules, want to go first here and give us your position because you're just you know you're on such a roll here based on your great positioning so far. This one, I got my Bama sweatshirt right over there. I'm looking at it on the wall. They've made me money over the years. I like betting on Alabama. Um, I feel your, 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 your one regret, though, during the year was not taking Bama's over win total. Oh, after, did you know this, Paul? So after the um, the USF narrow win for Alabama that um, Milroy did play, yep. draft, DK Sportsbook opened up Alabama's in-season win total at eight and a half. Man. And it sat there all week at like minus one twenty five. I didn't do anything. That's my big, maybe my biggest regret of the college football season. I, that was when do you see Alabama eight and a half? But anyway, of course they go over their ten and a half 
win total of preseason, and that one doesn't even matter. Uh, the one thing I did, I did fade Bama. I bet against them in a few look-ahead lines, um, and I took the minus 165 to miss the college football playoff, which a few weeks in I thought was a rocking chair uh, winner. But here we are. So I kind of look at it as I have one, minus 165 Georgia money line. Um, although there's a chance Alabama could win and not get in, I I guess. I don't know. Um, I'm just going to clear my mind on this one. And what would I play if, if I didn't have anything? I, I think I like Alabama plus six uh, in this game. They've bounced right. Five might be five and a half right now. You'll It'll be plus six at one point in time, I would say, before kick. Um, if you don't have it already. I It reminds me a lot of two years ago, not that history will repeat itself, but Alabama should have lost at Auburn in the Iron Bowl. Auburn puked all over itself. And then how is Alabama going to beat this unbelievable Georgia, undefeated Georgia team in the SEC title game? Well, they do. Um, now, they don't have Bryce Young and uh, Mechie and Jamison Williams, and like it's not quite the same. But also, Georgia's not like it. Georgia was invincible at that point in time. Like that's their only loss in a, in a few years. Um, and this Georgia team isn't that we've seen them win by single digits against Auburn, Missouri, Georgia tech last week. Um, even though it was a huge look ahead spot. So I don't know. Any anytime Bama in a game like this, everyone's against them and you're getting six points. Like I, I have to go there and wear my Alabama sweatshirt to the sports book in Las Vegas on Saturday and see how it goes. Yeah, I mean, I, you pretty much mirror my thoughts on this game, Julian. Right. You know, th- this game before Alabama's close call against Auburn last uh, week at uh, Jordan Hare, uh, Jordan Hare, this game was minus four, I believe, on the look headline. So you're getting, you know, if you take the underdog Crimson Tide, you're basically getting two extra points of value because there's some plus six out there right now um, available as we. Uh, record here on Wednesday the 29th you know on paper if you look at it on paper you know Georgia to me they've got the superior more complete roster but you're going to give St. Nick six points Uh, most of the college football world's counting him out Uh, Sandy doesn't have a prayer so forth and so on you know no thanks you know it's Alabama or nothing for me I've I've been through this uh, this deal before and while on paper again they might not look uh, as strong as Georgia you give Nick Saban six points. You've got a quarterback in Jalen Milrow who who has progressed through the season. He's gotten to be a um, a threat in the uh, in the throwing game, and he's such a um, running um, threat as well offensively. Uh, a big physical guy, and obviously he's going to be pulling out all the stops as will the entire Alabama roster. And you mentioned Georgia, although a excellent football team. Again, I have them in Oregon pretty much 1 and 1A. They're not quite as dominant, not quite as scary as they were the previous two seasons. Not quite as good on defense. So they're a little bit more gettable, neutral site game. You know, I haven't pulled the trigger yet, but uh, I'm thinking I'm probably going to take Alabama plus six for at least a small cheese pizza. So uh, for me, it's the tide or nothing. One more question on that game, Paul. Is there anybody – because one of the things I – feel in this game that's going to keep Alabama in it is Milrow as a as a runner like when he needs to run he's been ridiculous that LSU game now the LSU defense we uh, we don't want to talk about that in the same light as Georgia of course but 
has Georgia faced anyone even like comparable to Milrow that you think we can um, compare this to? And I'm I'm hoping you say no because I kind of want them to be caught off, not caught off guard because they'll have the tape, but I want them to like, you know, not have seen something like this on the field and be kind of actively trying to figure out how to stop Milrow because I think that's going to be a huge piece of this game. Yeah, off the top of my head, I can't think of anybody they face this season that's a, a running threat like Milrow. But I will say, in general, that teams that are athletic on the edge, like Georgia obviously is, that, that rush the passer from the defensive end positions, they tend to come upfield, and they're so athletic. And, uh, you know, in a passing situation, you know, third and nine, third and 12 or whatever, yeah. uh, you either run a design draw or, uh, you, you know, maybe uh, just when the, the passing uh, lanes are all filled and you don't have the opportunity to throw the ball, you, you go upfield. Uh, and, and if you get past that initial surge, you know, you've got some open uh, real estate there. So athletic teams that, that rush hard tend to be vulnerable to running quarterbacks. Uh, they don't have many vulnerabilities, uh, but that's where they've been attacked, similar teams in the past. Can I ask, Julian, you used to be very high on the Alabama first-half spread look. You know Georgia in six straight games has allowed the opening touchdown? Six straight. Wow. Georgia's allowed an opening that. touchdown. So playing Georgia live has been fun and profitable this year. Oh, boom, seven, nothing grab Georgia live. I feel like I've done that right. since mid October, Alabama plus three and a half first half. Is that worth a look? Hmm. It's a good Six consecutive games. First touchdown yeah, scored by Georgia's opponent. I didn't know the stat that they've given up the first touchdown in six straight games. That's very interesting. I, it makes sense because yes, I do know, you know, against Tennessee, I was waiting like, Oh, if Tennessee goes up, I'll take Georgia worked. Um, and Alabama first half, you know, going back probably like two years ago for like a three year span, Alabama first half was a wagon. It slowed down. Um, but when you put it that way, I, it's worth Bandy, consideration. Florida, Missouri, yeah. Ole Miss, it's, Tennessee, Georgia, six straight games. First touchdown scored by Georgia's opponent. Yeah, it's, it's worth consideration. Any, anything you got on that, Paul? No, I, I saw that. I did not realize that until maybe yesterday. I, I was going through Twitter and I saw that uh, information. That's really, uh, you know, it's it's hard to judge whether that's just kind of happenstance and it's about to run out, or if there's really some type of uh, trend there that's worth uh, investing in. But certainly, uh, you know, I couldn't fault a person for for thinking in those terms of playing Alabama. You know, based on the fact that Georgia's you know, been giving up that first touchdown. You dig a little bit of a hole and uh, you're getting points with the tides. So, uh, yeah, you definitely, uh, if you're going to, if you're going to bet on a trend, you definitely want to bet on it to continue rather than to end. So uh, I can, I can certainly support that line of thinking. Yeah, I guess I'm just building off of your point that now you're getting two points of value for the full game. And there were look ahead spots a few weeks ago, Julian, we talked about this where there was a line that came out on Georgia, Alabama, where the, the, the game line, the full game, was three and a half, and you're getting that in the first 30 minutes. Um, that was mm -hmm. my only thinking there. Okay, let's move on to the ACC championship game. Louisville, Florida State. Florida State laying two and a half points, totals at 48 and a half. Paul, you've got a position on this game too. Yeah, I'm going to look at the total here, uh, Brendan. I, I like this game to go under 48 and a half. You know, both these teams are sound defensively. 
Uh, both rank in the top 30 nationally in total defense. Florida State gives up about 324 yards a game. Uh, Louisville, 328. Uh, they rank 20th and 26th, respectively, in total defense. Louisville, I think this is very important uh, in this matchup this weekend in Charlotte. Louisville only gives up 97 yards per game rushing, only 3.3 yards per carry. You would expect uh, Florida State, with their backup quarterback, Tate uh, Rodemaker now uh, in control, that they would lean a little bit more heavily on the running game, that they would try to win the turnover battle, uh, play physical football, and, and get out of dodge and get to the playoff. You look at uh, Rodemaker's only career start. I'm looking at this Florida State offense. His only career start last week against an extremely suspect, and that puts it really kindly, Florida defense, the Seminoles scored only 24 points. They only gained 224 yards, 57 plays, only 3.9 yards per play. It was early, and he was better later than he was earlier. But there was a time in that game last week that Florida State had more penalty yards than total yards. <laughs> so uh, you, you look at this Florida defense again, 224 yards allowed to Florida State, 3.9 yards per play. In their previous five games, those being against South Carolina, Georgia, Arkansas, LSU, and Missouri, the Gators had given up an average of 41.2 uh, points per game, 528.2 yards per game. Every one of those five teams, including Arkansas, gained at least 465 yards against the Gators. So their previous five opponents had not – gained more yardage simply than the Seminoles, but they had all gained more than twice as many yards as the Seminoles gained last week against the Gators. That was really, they ran the football good at them, but that was really an abysmal offensive uh, performance. I use a formula to uh, try to determine how many plays there'll be in a game. This game uh, figures to have 125 plays uh, which is about 12 or so below the average this year for a college football team. I think this is going to be a defensive battle, first team to 24 wins. I like the under 48 and a half. I like that look. I might tell you on that. And that uh, FSU did not look good last week, which kind of takes me to something that I, I feel I'm going to play. I, so I lean to Louisville in the ACC game. I think they clearly were looking ahead against Kentucky now they're going to come out, try to beat the undefeated team, which I think a lot of people in college football would love. So we don't have to see FSU in there, particular a team that people didn't really want to see for the most part to begin with. And now, you know, without Travis, nobody wants to see them there. But I think so how I'm looking at it now, it's plus 115 for Louisville on the money line, I believe. But FSU to miss the college football playoff is plus 110. So I'm going to play FSU to miss the college football playoff at plus 110 and sacrifice five cents of juice with the thought process that, yeah, I like Louisville. I think they win. If they do, I'm going to win that bet because no way one loss FSU gets in. But what if FSU wins this like they did against Florida? A gross game. They barely get it late with not much offense. Is there any chance that it is worth that five cents of juice that the committee would leave a 13-0 FSU out. I know it goes against what they're supposed to do, undefeated conference champion. Um, but I'll take that chance just in case they win really gross. We don't know what 
the Pac-12 game will look like. Um, we don't know what Bama Georgia will look like. Maybe 13 or no LSU misses out if, if it all spins perfect and we're not making much of a sacrifice to, to do it that way. You got any thoughts there, Paul? You know, I do. I don't think this committee, I think, you know, the committee's always, they want to take positions that are sellable, sellable mm-hmm. to the public. How can we frame it that everybody's going to believe it? I mean, this committee, I mean, why even have a committee? They've got, yeah. and I'm usually not critical because I've served on committees. I've been on boards before. And, and it's easy to take shots at the people who are making decisions while you're sitting in the background, you know, eating Twinkies and drinking, you know, cold beer or whatever. It's easy to take shots at people. So I'm very happy. I, like I like to take shots at people. In a Bama sweatshirt. <laughs> in a Bama sweatshirt <laughs> with uh, a broken down car in the – no, never mind. So uh, – but my, my, my point going to be that they want to sell what they're uh, – you know, presenting to the public. They want to be able to point to things. They are Their playoff rankings last night, the top four teams all have no losses. The next four teams all have one loss. The next four teams all have two losses. I mean, it's like a third grade, like the third grade <laughs> student council got together pretty, and put this thing. Simple, pretty simple when you put it that way. Yeah, and Florida State's play, and I, I'm not against Florida State. I'm I, I, a huge Mike Norvell fan. Nobody's done better in in the transfer portal the last couple of years than Mike Norvell. Everybody, you know, 15 months ago was calling for Deion Sanders in Tallahassee, and now this guy's got them on the brink of the college football playoff, and he deserves uh, great praise, and, and they're an outstanding football team. But their schedule is the 66th most difficult in college football. It's It's not a good thing. You don't like to see a player get injured, but that has to be taken into account, the loss of Jordan Travis. And also, you know, I say a lot of times it's not how you play sometimes as much as who you play. And this thing about an undefeated team, and y'all might disagree with me, and I I respect that, but just the fact that a team is undefeated from a Power 5 conference does not automatically qualify Uh them as one of the top four teams in the nation. When I was growing up in my neighborhood, I was pretty good athletically. The other eight or ten guys in my in my neighborhood, I could beat them at anything, whether it be golf, football, weightlifting, boxing, you name it. I'd beat them at anything. But if I started going north and I crossed a point in town and I got into a different quote-unquote conference, I wasn't <laughs> quite as big of a deal. They would slap me around. I wasn't going to be 13-0 and 0 in late November if I was in that other neighborhood. In my neighborhood now, I was king of the hill. But it, affiliation is such a big part of, of college football. And you hate to penalize them for it. But they beat a Boston College team on the, the road, 31-29, a game they very well could have lost. Texas loses to Oklahoma on a neutral field, a game, and I'm not advocating that Texas should necessarily be in, but they lose on a neutral field, a game they could have just as easily won, outgained Oklahoma, I think, by more than 100 points. Whose performance in that game? Although Florida State won, they're undefeated. Whose performance was better, Texas against Oklahoma or Florida State in Chestnut Hill? So, uh, yeah, that's kind of my thoughts on it. All right, and we'll close. We'll close with Michigan, Iowa. <laughs> I had to. You have to like wipe your eyes and, and read this. So, Iowa, twenty-four point underdog, and the totals thirty-five. 
The Iowa under trend has been pretty well documented to this point. If you haven't noticed, go just look at their box scores and you get the you get the gist. Any thoughts on this one, Paul? You know, I got confused and thought uh, Michigan was favored by 35 with a total of 24. <laughs> <I'm kidding. laughs> might, as well, might as well be. What could happen in, in an <laughs> Iowa game? You know, I have not made any play uh, in this game to this point. But at 24, I'm going to have to seriously consider playing Iowa. You know, I just think, you know, they clearly have a, a great defense. Michigan is clearly in the playoff uh, with any level of win. So I don't think they're going to tack one on late. Uh, they, they can be comfortable. They can preserve players, preserve health, because everybody's banged up at this time of the year, and you want to get those guys off the field if you can. So if you're up by, you know, 20 points late and you've got the ball at the 40-yard line and there's three and a half minutes to go, you don't have any reason to have your starters in, and they wouldn't have their starters in. They want to keep guys, uh, get get them healthy, get them off the field. So, you know, I hadn't done it yet, but I think at 24, I'm going to become involved with Iowa plus the points. I'll probably, you know, hate myself late Saturday night for doing it, but uh, I think that's the route to go based on the number. All right. This is – I don't have a ton of thoughts on this game. I'll be focused on what has now become a more interesting LS, uh, FSU – Louisville game because of the situation and the injury. Um, this is another one I'm sitting pretty on. I, I bet Michigan to win the Big Ten preseason. That that was last week. That was a bet on Michigan winning the game. Had a good number last week. And yep. now you kind of just wait to collect. I, uh, I, uh, the num- I, I agree with all of Paul's analysis on the game. Like Michigan – doesn't need any style points here. They can just sleepwalk through the game and win and get healthy and prepare for their college football playoff game. Um, my only thought would be that maybe they come out with a little bit of fire, like Michigan 13 and a half first half. Like, I don't, and I know at DK Sportsbook, we're, we're getting all the people posting all over Twitter. Iowa first half team total, half a point. Iowa second half team total, half a point. When is Iowa going to score in the game? I could see I could see Michigan, you know, 14 nothing, 17 nothing, 21 nothing halftime and then it turns into a 24 to 3 or 27-7 type of eventual victory. If I was playing the game, I would probably lay Michigan first half cuz I think it I think it starts off in Michigan's favor, but you know, I don't this is one of those rules where we, we really wish we were getting Ohio State, Michigan this weekend instead of watching whatever this is going to be. All right. There's your power five championship weekend preview with Paul Stone, Texas based handicapper, paulstonesports.org. Paul, thanks for joining on Reasonable Odds this week. We appreciate the time. Hey, I appreciate you guys having me and just call me anytime. Love being on talking college football. That's the, the greatest sport in the world, in my opinion. We'll do it again uh, next year for sure. Thanks, Paul. Paul Stone joining us on the podcast this week. We will wrap with a quick NFL minute, and then we will get out of here with some best bets. Uh, Julian, just to get ahead of this, Julian's got a lot of uh, college football looks, as we discussed with Paul, so I think his best bet is going in the NFL direction uh seattle dallas is the thursday game another game that that, that's pretty eye-popping i think that has some interest denver and houston two of the 
better stories, I think, in the league. I know Houston lost last week, but they've overall been a good story. Denver's come alive with their winning streak here, and they're back in it after hanging 70 to Miami. That feels like centuries ago. And then, of course, the nightcap, or the uh, part of me, the afternoon marquee game is San Francisco and Philadelphia. And Jules, that's where you want to start? Yeah, this one. So do you want to just go into best bets, kind of? Yeah, I think that's the best way. My my best bet will be the Niners. As we record, it's minus three, minus 102. I got to think there's going to be some Eagles buyback at three. So, like, I think we can get San Francisco minus two and a half or San Francisco, like, minus 140 money line or better. Um, so, I guess I'm going to call it Niners money line. You asked me and I said two and a half. I guess I'm going to call it Niners money line because I have faith that, like, a 140 will be available between you listening to this and kick. So, that's the route I'm going to be going. I've already bet it once. I used a boost when Niners money line was minus 140 to get them like minus 117. Um, now that that helps you, but you have some boosts in your DK Sportsbook account, I'm sure. So go ahead and use them. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll count it at whatever the real number is. Anything that comes down to like minus 145 or better on Niners money line, I'm, I'm in. All right. And I guess so I need to say why on the spot. <laughs> Eagles. The Monday night game, they barely scraped by the Chiefs in a game I had the Chiefs in. I bet, did bet the Eagles against the Bills, got fortunate to win that one in overtime. All these spots eventually are going to catch up against a Niners team that's on a long week because they played Thanksgiving. And in a huge revenge spot, they want to show that they are the team in the NFC. They had to play the NFC championship game. They got blown out without a quarterback. They want to show what they can do back in Philly. I like that. I mean, the Niners, there's a reason they're favored in this game against a 10 and one Eagles team. Niners are going to win this game. Okay. Baiting Philly has become now the thing that you kind of have to do. Um, but it can be painful because they're, they just keep overcoming. They don't play well for like 55 minutes every game and they make a few plays that play to Sakias was great by Jalen hurts. Uh, yep. just, we talk about spot betting, but like the, the Eagles overcome spot betters because they just in the right spots, they play well. Um, I'll segue. I went back and forth. It's been a year of unders in the NFL the last couple of years. I'm going to go. So I'll give two. I, I like both unders in Denver, Houston totals at 47 and a half. Denver's defense, while it was good against a bad Cleveland team, a bad quarterbacked Cleveland team, Denver's defense has turned a corner. And Houston, I think they can play some defense when they're engaged. And I think their offense, as good as it's been, I think Denver can scheme it up with Sean Payton. I think their offense is very good. Uh, but C.J. Stroud, has he faced all that much pressure with an O-line that keeps getting healthy? Um, he's overcome pressure. Remember, he wasn't throwing interceptions early in the year. But uh, I just think it's, a too, it's too big. And then the one where I feel more strongly about Cleveland and the Rams – just talked about Cleveland. They've been inept offensively. They want to play a game in the in the mid to high teens at best. And the Rams, I think folks are overlooking or they're buying too much into the market's not corrected on the Rams and how well they played against the Cardinals. They still can't protect Stafford. We've talked about Stafford a lot on this podcast. You were down on Stafford coming into the year with his injury concerns. Their O-line is not as put together as it seems. Cooper Cup's banged up. Uh, I like an under 40. That's a bit, you know, that feels riskier because it's a lower total, of course, but I like two unders uh, for, for the NFL. Samir is also here, and Samir got on me for not mentioning uh, in the earlier part of the show about how he profited from over the weekend by fading the New England Patriots. 
the fact the Patriots were minus four, minus three and a half is just, oh, it's disgusting. Are you going there again this week, Samir? Are you going to fade the Patriots at home? Plus six. They are plus six against the Chargers this week at Gillette Stadium. 100% Glash going back to the well. What worked last week? Don't see, didn't see anything in that game against the Giants that made me think the Patriots can do anything positive in any way, shape, or form. Covered the spread 18% of the time this season. Expect that number to go down. Uh, lock it up. Chargers minus six. How do the Chargers charger, if at all? I don't know. It's Patriots, hard. Might be, Patriots might be too bad for that. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, and the Patriots have actually historically played the Chargers pretty well. Uh, they've played Herbert well, but Bill Belichick doesn't Not, beat. Don't say anything. Don't start any sentence with the Patriots have historically. That's because yeah. anything they've done before the season doesn't matter. They stink. I know. I know. All right. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> well, all right. null and void. I'm not even going to let you make whatever point you were going to say because this. Well, the last ten times the Patriots have played that none of well, that. I was going to yeah. conclude by saying that's no longer who they are. Bill Belichick doesn't beat nope. bad coaches. It hasn't been who they are. The, but we're running long on the podcast, so I'll just cut you off and say it. Thank okay. you, Julian. Excellent. Again, I think uh, the, the Paul Stone conversation conversation was terrific. So there's your there's your college football best bet discussion uh, in yep. our segment with Paul. That's your NFL. It's kind of it's a smelly slate. The NFL slate smells always. Um, does. But there you go. Very good. Thanks again to Paul Stone, Johnny Avello for joining the podcast this week. For Julian Edlow, producer Samir, Brendan Glasheen. We'll talk to you again on A Reasonable Odds, presented by DraftKings next week. Odds and lines are subject to change. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER.